and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and tonight we're going to quickly go over the Chargers' thrilling 30-27 Thursday night win over the Raiders. Not exactly the game of the year we saw from Monday night between the Ravens and the Browns, but it was entertaining in its own special, unique way that only two uh, just, you know, AFC West squads have had all sorts of years of misery between them could provide us. So after we get through that, want to go over some of the key injuries to watch out for ahead of Sunday. Just want to try to help you guys out when you see, you know, that questionable tag or, you know, one of your fantasy football players is saying that he might not be playing because he's having his practice this week. Just want to clear up some of those real quick and potential pivots you might have to worry about. So thank you for tuning in. As always, let's get to it. Fun game, like I said, just wasn't the prettiest one out there. Things got uh, started off hot. Justin Herbert, 10-yard touchdown to Hunter Henry. A nice little find uh, just up the middle. Henry, you know, haters might call it a push off, but it was a nice play by him. He had another nice diving catch later. It wasn't a huge performance by him from any stretch, but certainly still saw some of the flashes that, you know, have led many to say that he is a top 10 real life and fantasy tight end in this league then Derek Carr got hurt the Raiders had drove down inside the 10 yard line I believe it was a third and two uh, from the goal line and Carr takes off for the right just immediately has to grab his groin and was not able to find the end zone and also just found his way straight to the locker room which led to Marcus Mariota making his long anticipated I guess you could say debut uh, or I don't think it was exactly his debut but his first real action for the Raiders maybe it was his debut the world may never know he comes in just starts dealing he hit a Foster Moreau, their backup tight end, on just his 20-yard pass where he had to get out of the pocket. And really, that was the story of the night, the different kind of dimension. His athleticism gave this Raiders offense. But he caps off his first scoring drive with a 35-yard strike to Darren Waller. Those guys had a big uh, night in this one. Darren Waller ended up going for 150 yards on his own. Michael Badgley, a.k.a. Money Badger, actually made a field goal in the first half. Remember that thought because that did not persist. Uh, moving forward, before the end of the half, uh, Justin Herbert hit Tyron Johnson for a 26-yard touchdown, which was good because he actually missed him for what could have been a long touchdown a couple plays before that. So they were able to get back on track following that better ball miss from Herbert. So 17-10 at the half. Josh Jacobs even things up at 17-17 with the goal line touchdown. Kalen Balaz vultures Austin Eckler from one yard out to take it 24-17 going the fourth. Mariota drove him down again with the under seven minutes left and that was where things got funky Mariota finds his way into the end zone but then we had the Chargers getting the ball missing a field goal the Raiders were able to get the ball back they tried a super long field goal but they couldn't even handle the snap right sent us to overtime ended up getting a field goal from Daniel Carlson from the Raiders after they had driven all the way you know down and deep into Chargers territory and finally Justin Herbert gets the ball back and slings a deep one 53 yards to uh, Jalen Guyton to get down inside the five yard line a freaking fumble that their fullback managed to cover but they couldn't rule an advancement because it was under two minutes and then we had Kalen Balazs getting the stuff in the goal line and finally Justin Herbert ends this game with a one yard QB sneak to give the Chargers a 30 to 27 victory so again not the you know not the game you put on the show just you know some person that's never watched football before to say hey you know this is the, just the true beautiful aesthetic of America's game but certainly an entertaining one and we will take that on Thursday night football last Thursday night game of the year I feel like this one uh, went out on a high note uh, quickly going over some of the more specific from this one. Justin Herbert, 314 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Also had that quarterback sneak for a touchdown to finish things off. I mean, look, fantastic year fantastic game it seemed like at one point out there he pretty much said fuck it to uh just you know checking it down to austin eckler anymore he only had four targets and just many times you know in the second half and overtime you could see eckler wide open and herbert was like you know nah man i'm gonna throw it on field to tyron johnson jalen guyton whoever might be out there so ended up getting guyton for uh four catches 91 yards tyron johnson three catches 61 yards and that score hunter henry had five catches 65 yards of course the one name we are not mentioning is keenan allen one catch 17 yards on three 
targets actually had an end zone target. Imagine how that could have uh, shifted some of the narrative uh, from this one. My stance before the game, you know, yes, I sent out one tweet saying, you know, snap count, schmap count, start your studs. Keenan Allen's a stud. Look, for me, it was a situation where if you're talking about, you know, I got some starts at questions. I was like Keenan Allen versus Justin Jefferson. Like, okay, absolutely start Justin Jefferson if you have a legit, you know, even Chris Goblin, I said, fire him up over Keenan Allen. If you had a legit top 20, top 25 wide receiver, okay. But, you know, when people are saying Keenan Allen or Rashard Higgins, it's like kind of hard to, you know, go away from Keenan, particularly when the guy runs up to the camera before the game and says, don't sit me. So, you know, almost like the anti-Josh Jacobs narrative that went on here. I don't think, you know, Keenan really just, I think he's a competitive and he thought he could fight through and he thought he could have a good game. But, you know, after kind of having that end zone target at the end of the first half, we just didn't really see them look his way again. The snaps weren't that wild. I mean, Keenan actually did, was was playing for 23 snaps. Mike Williams, who was also going to be limited going this one, 27. Uh, Guyton played 50. Tyron Johnson at 36. And KJ Hill had 15. So, yeah, Keenan was limited. But, I mean, it wasn't like he only played for two or three snaps and then just didn't go back out there. We did see him make a 17-yard catch on a well-designed play. But, clearly wasn't anything close to what fantasy football managers were hoping for in that first round. So incredibly unfortunate that that's how it worked out. You know, I've already seen plenty of the hindsight uh, people just coming back with the never play guys on hamstring injuries, which I get it, people. But, you know, when we're talking about literally the most targeted wide receiver in the league against a secondary missing pretty much anyone worth a damn, you know, one of these situations where there, there weren't a whole lot of naysayers uh, in the process before the game happened, but after you get 60, uh, in this case, 70 minutes of action, uh, people are a lot more willing to share their thoughts about it. So it is what it is. You know, I'll take my mini out with it again. I, I think the risk reward was there and considering Keenan versus a wide receiver, you know, a true wide receiver three. Uh, hopefully you all out there were able to get, you know, someone else in there because that is a rough one to stomach for sure. Uh, with this run game, Austin Eckler ended up playing 37 snaps. I mean, this was the other thing. I mean, before game time, they said Austin Eckler was going to be on a pitch count. So Eckler's pitch count was 37 snaps, you know, uh, backfield high 13 carries and also getting four targets. Keenan Allen's, you know, was much less than that. So it's just one of these things where, you know, you got to kind of take it situation by situation and work with the, uh, you know, information we got. Not always going to work out like it did this one with Keenan. Uh, anyway, Eckler just did not look healthy at all. I mean, he had a 27 yard run. That was really, that was a nice cutback to even find the open field. But just him out there running, he just did not look like his usual explosive side. Again, managed to catch the four passes, uh, had 19 receiving yards. He made some dudes miss throughout the game, but just did not seem like the, his usual dynamic self, particularly when you consider that they were playing the freaking Oakland Raiders for crying out loud. So, Kalen Balaj ended up stealing the goal line touchdown. And then he got more chances at the end of over, overtime. Like, I understand Eckler isn't, uh, you know, someone that's, you know, should be relied on every single time at the goal line. I mean, e even though I think, you know, sometimes we overrate, you know, scatbacks and ability to run between the tackles, he is still, like, you're paying the guy 24 million dollars. Kalen Blage wasn't on your team until freaking, what, October? Like, really? You can't think of a better time to give like one of your highest paid players a chance than, you know, that sort of just high leverage situation at the end. So, and as we talk about in this podcast and have all year, like, it's not even that Austin Eckler will never get goal line touches. He was about to actually get one, but the Raiders call a timeout uh, at the end. So when there's a stoppage of play or something, that's when these teams will, you know, go with their, you know, goal line or their early down or just short yardage, you know, centric back. But Eckler, certainly disappointing. And hey, if Herbert's going to keep not feeding him uh, like we saw in this game with only the four targets, it is going to be a little bit more of a problem here in week 16 and beyond uh, with him in fantasy land. Because look, he's pretty much, you know, him and Alvin Kamara have over 300 PPR points. Um, as 
as just receivers um, as running backs over the past two years purely receiving production James White I think is at like 230 Christian McCaffrey's you know at 280 290 I believe that's it nobody else has been even over 200 so truly Eckler and Kamara when you take away their superhuman receiving ability they become a lot more ordinary like RB2 fantasy assets so I'm not saying we should take this you know one game clip away but in Herbert's I mean this was great to see him do this even though it wasn't against a bad Raiders secondary and I understand that and you know only took one sack he had more time than usual back there for sure but just seeing the things he can do when he does throw the ball downfield and that has been one of the issues with Eckler in the lineup I mean I'm you know pulling up the stats now because this is one of the big takeaways before the game people were like you know hey Herbert doesn't look as good with Eckler out there and they were right you know you run the numbers Hold on, getting it right now. You run the numbers for Herbert in five games with Austin Eckler. I mean, look, he had he had only five touchdowns, six interceptions, six point one yards per attempt, and a seven yard average target depth. Without Eckler, he had twenty touchdowns, four interceptions, seven point seven yards per attempt, and an eight point one yard average target depth. I mean, it's not even a situation I think where you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, just small sample size, it's fluky. I mean, they faced the Chiefs, Panthers, Bills, Patriots, and Falcons with Austin Eckler. Those are you know some very bad secondaries involved in that. Uh, particularly the Falcons. I mean, the Panthers are okay. The Bills and Patriots teams are moving them. The Chiefs are hardly world beaters. Look, small sample size. I get it. Any offense should want Austin Eckler, or at least a healthy version of him out there. But the offense is objectively better off going through the wide receivers, letting Herbert look downfield first, coming to Eckler second. So great game by the Chargers getting that win, particularly by Justin Herbert. Certainly looks like a guy that I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl or be, you know, a top three quarterback in the league ever. But if he can continue to make, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers offense fantasy relevant, that will be great in 2021 and beyond first thing with the Raiders at one point John Gruden challenged a two-yard completion so you yeah laugh not not the best decision potentially but the guy throws a pretty challenge like gotta get him give him credit for that uh with that said yeah I mentioned Derek Carr you know being removed from this one early only had five pass attempts prior to leaving People were coming in pretty hot and heavy with the, oh, how has you know, Mariota been behind Derek Carr? Like, are we sure that Mariota's better than Derek Carr? I will say, you know, I would the ceiling, overall ceiling of the Raiders offense with Mariota playing at his best versus Carr playing at his best is probably higher with Mariota. I think that's the impact we see with a lot of dual threat quarterbacks around the league. I mean, just having that rushing ability opens up the run game with the read options. And then, you know, I don't think Mariota is, you know, is any less able to really throw to all areas of the field as Derek Carr. Okay, Carr has a better arm. I'll, I'll say that. But Mariota, we saw him you know drop some deep balls in the bucket particularly to Darren Waller down the sideline that was just beautiful I mean look the guy has a hell of an arm or you know okay the guy has a good enough arm to put the ball in a bucket 35 yards downfield after Waller burn a cornerback so Mariota can do enough with it to burn on performances like tonight. I mean, again, this was a great game from him. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He did have an interception at the end uh, that was intended for Zay Jones, thrown a little bit behind him, a little bit erratic, and then he probably should have been picked in overtime as well, but Casey Hayward got spooked when the defender was coming over. So, you know, I would say great game considering the circumstances from Marcus Mariota. We shouldn't sit here and say, you know, oh, Mariota, like, who's which team is he going to undoubtedly start for in 2021? But I'd like to think we all knew he was already one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. I mean, you know, I'm not saying he should necessarily be ranked top 25 or even top 30, but top 35, I think it'd be pretty hard to find, uh, you know, 35 guys more qualified than Mariota. So, yeah, big time in Waller on this one. Nine catches, 150 yards and a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar, four catches, 49 yards. Josh Jacobs, three catches, 38 yards. Like, why can this guy not find any snaps on third down? I don't get it because, you know, we're seeing theoretic get absolutely blown up in pass protection. I mean, Jalen Richard has been a solid scat back over the years, but I just feel like the way they use him, 
Tim and, and Riddick, it's like, okay, when those guys are out there, you're passing the ball. And when Jacobs is out there, they really got to respect the run. And we've seen them get him in the open field and great things happen. I mean, in overtime, he caught a ball in the flat, just absolutely broke this dude's ankles. And then the two, two plays later, broke another couple tackles to get down inside the five-yard line. So wasn't able to cap it off, but truly a solid game from Josh Jacobs. And he kind of asserted himself again as one of the better pure running backs in the league with the ball in his hands. We're going to see him, you know, like he was as a rookie up there in, you know, the final t- up in the final leaderboard in terms of his total force missed tackles on the season. So, you know, what didn't have a ton going on the ground, 26 carries, 76 yards in the score. But again, I thought the way he earned a lot of the yards all night demonstrated, again, his ability with the ball in his hands is at an extremely high level. Let me make sure I didn't miss anything. I think that's about it. Hunter Renfro got hurt on a punt return. Uh, Josh Jacobs briefly had a knee injury, but came right back in like after they announced it. And I think that is about everybody. So congrats to the Chargers on their 30-27 win over the Raiders. Too bad Las Vegas will not be uh, you know in a position to make the playoffs. It sounds like I think they went down to 2%. Real quick on Mariota as a waiver guy, potentially the Raiders in Week 16 play the Miami Dolphins. That's not a great matchup. You know, look, in this one, Mariota read options and just scrambling, had nine carries, 88 yards in the score. He almost looked like he was going to have like this monster 70, 80-yard touchdown, but Waller kind of got in his way a little bit like that. Just realized, I mean, Mariota, that has always been a part of his game. He's a really athletic guy. Don't forget, I mean, the things he was doing at Oregon and stuff, that was a massive part of his game. And he was playing for a Tennessee coach for uh, at least a little bit of his career that honestly thought it was a good idea, you know, to play Deion Lewis over Derrick Henry. So I'm not ruling out that Mariota, you know, can't be of you know solid NFL quarterback down the road but this game was like his second it literally was his second best game ever in terms of just rushing yards I mean he before this he had a 112 uh, rushing yard game back in 2015 other than that I mean he's only cleared let's see 50 yards and five of his uh, you know 63 60 including playoffs only had cleared 50 yards and five of his 68 career games so Mariota has a nice rushing floor it's not you know Jalen Hurts Taysom Hill Kyler Murray Lamar Jackson like we're going to actively feed you 15 uh, carries per game. This happened in this one, but wouldn't necessarily expect expect it going forward. I mean, look, Derek Carr has been providing us like borderline QB1 production more weeks than not. I think Mariota will be fired up in a similar range as, you know, an upside QB2, borderline QB1 at worst in that spot. All right, want to go through some injuries. So real quick, want to just list some guys that, you know, maybe they're limited, maybe they've even missed the practice, but because, you know, of just the whole season, what coaches have said, whatever it might be, these guys are going to play. Do not worry about it. Hey, if, you know, we hear about a downgrade on Saturday or something, I apologize and you can come hollering at me, but I'm very confident the following guys playing and because of that, we're not going to spend too much time on them. Uh, Robert Woods with a thigh injury is okay. James Robinson with a knee. Ezekiel Elliott with his calf. A.J. Brown with his ankle. Damian Harris with his ankle, James White with his foot, Brashad Perryman with his ankle, Jameson Crowder with his calf, Chris Carson with his foot, Carlos Hyde with his hamstring, and Peyton Barber with his ankle. I expect all those guys to play and not be limited by the injury. Seems like just more maintenance than anything during the week. Now, with that said, let's get on to the others. So with, uh, let's see, the San Francisco 49ers, couple situations to worry about. George Kittle is practicing again uh, with the foot injury still on injury reserve. One second. PFF Lily has gotten a squeaky toy. 
such a sweet, sweet wiener dog. Okay, the 49ers, George Kittle, practice on Thursday. So it doesn't seem like he's going to be back in week 15, but week 16, he could be a go. And as soon as that happens, we're talking about our usual, you know, tight end two behind only Travis Kelsey. At this point, you know, worrying about the limited snaps, we could probably give him, you know, tight end three treatment behind Waller two. But either way, Kittle will not be leaving your lineup as long as he is healthy enough to go. Debo Samuel is not practicing with a hamstring injury. Guys, Brandon Ayuk, unless you have three rock solid top 10 wide receiver options, you got to get Ayuk in there. He's towards the top of the league in targets per game since week nine. I mean, he's making things happen with it. He's getting the Shanahan design looks, and he's also just breaking ankles as a route runner. So get Brandon Ayuk in fantasy football lineups of all shapes and sizes. With Kittle out, like Jordan Reed and Rostrelli, they're fine. The touchdown dependent tight ends too. Tight end twos just realize like they're splitting snaps and targets alike. And it's a good matchup this week. But again, you know, it's hard to get those guys inside the top 15 options at the position. Raheem Mostert actually went from not practicing on Wednesday to being limited on Thursday with this ankle injury. If Mostert can be out, Jeff Wilson's going to be a top 15 running back. I mean, look, it's just a matter of finding who Shanahan wants to feature. And then we add in the fact that the Cowboys league worst defense in yards before contact per rush. I mean, I think both Mostert and Wilson are going to be in the top 25 as long as Mostert's ready to go. But if we take him out of the equation, fire up Wilson with confidence. Brandon Cooks is limited in practice, but expecting to return with his foot and neck injury. We also got Duke Johnson not practicing due to an ankle injury. So Cooks will be a lower end wide receiver too, if active. It makes Chad Hansen a little bit less viable streamer, but you know, Kiki Cootie still gonna be out there. More than anything, I think just having Cooks helps this offense as a whole. I mean, each of Watson, Drew Brees, Jared Goff, Tom Brady, they've all averaged more yards per attempt with Cooks than without during their careers. And then with Duke potentially being out, this could be a legit every snap role for David Johnson. When we saw these two guys playing, and uh, the last time David was just not on the COVID list, it actually was much more of a split situation than we saw before. So David, you know, Duke's not going to be an option either way, but David could actually be, you know, a mid-tier RB2 that we should be looking to start if Duke does ultimately get ruled out. Uh, Broncos tight end Noah Fan has been removed from the injury report with an illness. He only played like five snaps last week before leaving. He'll be a tight end one against the Bills. Uh, Chase Edmonds, similar situation as David Johnson. So Chase Edmonds is not practicing due to an ankle injury. This is very important. If he is out, people, we need to get Kenyon Drake in the lineup. So I understand Kyler got back to running last week, but you take Chase Evans out of the picture and how we're talking every snap running back. Those are hard to find in, uh, you know, Kenyon Drake. Hey, might just be the uh, fancy hero. We didn't know we needed until right now. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, although he's not practicing all week, I should have put him on that previous list. He will be fine. Same schedule as last week. A little more concerned about New Orleans. Michael Thomas hasn't practiced all week with this ankle injury, but, you know, he's been playing through the pain. we kind of seen this with the Saints over the years with Kamara and some other guys just not practicing before getting ready to go. I would imagine Peyton or Thomas getting a limited practice in on Friday will tell us that we're good to go. And then also Drew Brees has taken some first-team reps with the rib injury. Sean Payton said that Brees still has a ways to go, but I don't know. It seems more likely than not that Taysom drops the start. And guys, the Chiefs only favored by three points against the Saints during a pandemic? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like wishful thinking that Taysom Hill is going to be able to keep pace there. I know Chiefs, you know, got some issues going on with their offensive tackles. I'm not saying they've been playing the best ball lately. They are on a streak of five or six games where they haven't covered, but Chiefs minus three, that is my favorite bet of the week. Colts tight end Mo Alley-Cox is not practicing all week. This would make streaming Trey Burton way more viable. Colts, we know Phillip Rivers is going to throw the ball efficiently. We just don't really know who. Hey, if we take Mo Alley-Cox out of the equation, that three tight end committee, down to two, and it would put Burton as, you know, the more receiving friendly one over Jack Doyle. So truly Trey Burton, they like this guy. Frank Reich and him go back. They even get him some, like, wildcat snaps sometimes. Trey Burton would be a borderline tight end one if Mo Alley-Cox is indeed sidelined. 
James Conner is not practicing on Thursday with a quad injury. This will be Benny Snell's season otherwise. But, you know, I'm using I'm really stretching the, uh, you know, just uh, times we should be using season because 16 carries was Baltimore in week 12 and then just eight in week 13, both games without Conner. This is the most pass heavy offense in the league. I don't think you need the roster one, the running backs. And then just based on the way Snell has played. I really would not be surprised if Jalen Samuels actually ends up taking over that backfield. I mean, you know, gun to my head, if I need to project one Steelers running back to have the most points, it would be Benny Snell. But just realize he has not done a much done much in recent weeks to warrant, you know, a ton of trust from the Steelers. Definitely not, you know, anything resembling what a healthy James Conner uh, would probably be getting. Dolphins might be getting some of their guys back. Uh, Jasicki, Parker, and Jakeem Grant all limited on Thursday. Matt Braid is back from the COVID list. Even Salvin Ackman has been limited with a shoulder injury. Guys, it's just tough in here, you know. We just talked about Keenan Allen and kind of the thought process with that. Same thing here, okay? If Mike Jasicki plays, and it's between Mike Jasicki and, you know, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, one of these tight ends that's like outside the top 20, okay, let's go with Mike Jasicki then. But if it's Mike Jasicki and Logan Thomas, Mike Jasicki and Rob Gronkowski, if Mike Jasicki and one of these borderline, you know, Irv Smith, give me all those guys over Mike Jasicki if they're similarly ranked player that doesn't have the injury concerns. I like using injury concerns, you know, almost as like a more severe matchup tiebreaker. Like, it's something we need to be worried about but don't let it completely flip your rankings over their head uh, and with this backfield look with uh you know gaskin still sidelined if he come back i mean we could see ahmed you know get his way back into the passing game a little bit i would not trust ahmed in the spot i mean coming off a shoulder injury this is something with you know early down running backs that is concerning because their ability to kind of you know <laughs> bad pun here shoulder the load uh is uh is not quite as uh, good when they have this shoulder injury and i'd also say the same thing about ribs as well just concerning when you're not a pass catching running back to try to play through those very painful injuries with the Panthers Christian McCaffrey doubtful with the thigh injury Mike Davis continue to fire him up as an RB1 against the bottom five defense and PPR points per game and the Packers against the running back position Curtis Samuel is questionable with a hamstring late week downgrade this is concerning I think if you have Curtis in the lineup you should probably try to get someone else in there I mean still someone I'll probably put in the top you know 45 40 wide receivers but again if it's close please go with the other guy we got DJ Moore back anyway, so expect most of the offense in the passing game in particular to go through him and Robbie Anderson. I am not worried about Jair Alexander, not because he's not a great cornerback. He just hasn't shadowed since week seven, so I think they're going to keep him on his side. Both DJ and Robbie should have plenty of routes away from him. About eight more of these, everyone. Thank you for sticking with me. Ronald Jones looking unlucky to play on the COVID list, so Leonard Fournette would be expecting to lead early down work. There's a quote that came out from OC Byron Leftwich where he said that Fournette has been great, been here all week putting in work, you know, big same. Big same there uh, for that, but I don't know. I mean, Shady McCoy, Keyshawn Vaughn, they got some praise as well. They were the ones that were actually active last week. Look, I think Fournette will lead the way in touches and be the lead early gone guy, but I think he probably lost his pass time work already and, you know, just wouldn't expect the same thing we were seeing for Rojo. That took Ronald Jones a long time to earn that sort of featured role. It's unfortunate the week after, you know, he's dealing with COVID and now this uh, broken pinky as well. So Fournette, more of a low-end RB3 as opposed to the mid-tier RB2 that Rojo would be if active. Uh, with the Giants, Daniel Jones, hamstring ankle, limited all week, reportedly unlikely to play. Even if him or Cor McCoy is out there, like do not play either of these guys and really anyone from this Giants offense if you can help it. And that includes Wayne Gallman. You know, Se Seahawks just haven't really been, or excuse me, not even playing the Seahawks, my bad. 
But this, you know, Giants offense with Jones or McCoy under center, I mean, it's been brutal for them all season long. So, you know, facing the Browns team that, okay, that's not even that much of a better matchup than the Seahawks or anything like that. Either way, Daniel Jones, you know, when he is out there, he needs to use his legs to uh, just pick up his fantasy points. Going Before he got injured, like through 13 weeks, he was only 24th in fantasy points from purely passing production. You take away his legs, it's like a more extreme version from what we saw with Kyler Murray. Uh, with the Washington football team, Antonio Gibson with his toe and Alex Smith with his calf still off the side. Certainly sounds like Gibson is trending towards missing another game, and that means J.D. McKissick can again be a low-end RB2. I mean, okay, yeah, this is the game against the Seahawks. Wrong NFC East team. That's my bad, everybody. But yeah, you know, look, with McKissick, as long as Alex Smith is out there, I'm a little more worried about Haskins force-feeding, uh, you know, McKissick the same way. But with Alex Smith back there, they're going to have to try to keep up a little bit against the Seahawks. Peyton Baruch gives them nothing. Keep going to the well with J.D. McKissick. Just kind of like we were talking about with uh, Austin Eckler and, and, and that situation. Like, there's a point last week, McKissick got a carry inside the five-yard line. Like, he's their lead primary back. Okay, if there's a ball stoppage and they're not the one, they're going to put Peyton Barber in there. But, you know, McKissick can run between the tackles, too. He's not a pure scat back, even if that is what he's normally used as. Just ask Ron Rivera. He says he's Christian McCaffrey light. You know, Ron Rivera says everyone's Christian McCaffrey light. But, hey, J.D. McKissick is the only one that is currently active that Ron Rivera has called Christian McCaffrey light and is on the Washington football team. So take that for what it is. I would just say that you know with Alex Smith Terry McLaurin has averaged uh, 12.4 PPR points per game with Dwayne Haskins at 13.2 so it really has been pretty close between the guys I am confident in Terry McLaurin getting back on track not top 10 this week but still a top 20 wide receiver that you shouldn't you know feel afraid to go back to after two does Shaquille Griffin great corner but the Seahawks never have their cornerbacks travel so I think he can tee off on the other guys uh, Kenny Galladay still not practicing with a hip Matthew Stafford looking down for ribs DeAndre Swift is the only guy we can trust in Detroit I think he's a legit low-end RB two other than that stay the hell away everybody uh kyle rudolph foot still not practicing Irv smith's going to be a borderline tight end one again three touchdowns in the last two games uh with the rudolph sideline truly Irv smith one of the more talented backup tight ends in all of football with the broncos philip Lindsay has a hip injury moment gordon shoulder both questionable both expected to play but with this in mind, you know, facing improving Buffalo defense, when they've both been out there, we've really seen a split committee throughout the season, so I think it's a situation to avoid if you can help it. John Brown will not be out there again due to an ankle injury, which means Gabriel Davis will stay in three wide receiver sets. He's going to stay being a legit boomer bust wide receiver three. I mean, Josh Allen's dealing right now. Gabriel Davis has been a part of that, and this also helps Cole Beasley. Stephon Diggs, obviously the alpha number one either way. Uh, Julio Jones not practicing all week with the hamstring injury. Brandon Powell's going to be a thin play. Uh, you know, if Julio ends up missing it, Matt Ryan you know, isn't in a good spot without Julio. We got freaking Gurley and those guys in the black committee. I think right now, Calvin Ridley is the only guy we can really trust with any level of confidence. And that confidence is high. I mean, I'm talking legit top 10 wide receiver at the position. Do not put Calvin Ridley in a start sick question. The answer is going to be start. And I'll probably say something snarky too, but you know, it, uh, it is what it is there. Calvin Ridley wide receiver one season. That's about it in Atlanta as we enter week 15. Final note, Austin Hooper's been limited with a neck injury. Look, he was inconsistent before this happened. Now we got Njoku and Bryant taking away plenty of reps and just splitting things up between them. No need to try to risk it all with a Cleveland Browns tight end in week 15, despite how good Baker and company have been playing. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you again for checking out the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We will be changing up the schedule a little bit as we go into the playoffs and beyond. This was the last Thursday night football game, so no Friday episode next week. But, you know, we'll still have 
still plenty of good DFS content in week 17. Of course, won't leave you stranded in the playoffs. Just going to dip things back a little bit. You know, I don't think you all want to be hearing me five days a week all year round anyway, but I do appreciate you sticking with me all season long and hope you can continue to move up in those fantasy football playoff chases. So that's going to do it. I'm Ian Harditz. Thank you, as always, for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 